This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And so today's message is entitled, The Sure Things in Heaven. By that I mean things that will absolutely, positively be in heaven. And I want you to think about that. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you. We're going to Brother David, get some WD-40 on that door next week. <laughs> because it's starting to get spooky. <laughs> All right. So you've you got it on your list, right? All right. So the sure things, absolute positive things that will be in heaven. And I pray that the message will be a blessing to you. The scripture that we left off with the last time we preached the introductional message to this series, we're going to revisit again today. It's in Acts chapter 1. And I... I know that won't the trumpet. If that was the trumpet, we're all in trouble. I don't know what it was. Where was I? I don't even remember. So here's the thing. I want you to look now. This is where we left off here in Acts chapter 1. And I want to revisit the scripture in verse number 11. This is a powerful text. I want you to look carefully at the word today. You've read this a hundred times, and I promise you that I'm going to give you scriptures today that will just lift your soul. It'll be a blessing to you. Things that will refresh you and things that will get you to think about the word. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Well, here's the truth. We didn't see him go up, but we'll see him come down. This same Jesus. Wow. Which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. What a truth. As I think back over the last 18 months that all of us have experienced, I think it's been, and to say it mildly and putting it lightly, it's been a very difficult time for us all. And in any, many ways, it seems as though the entire planet fell apart to some degree. But I'm also encouraged because I look at things now and I see little pockets of light. I see encouraging things happening. And I hope and pray that as you have viewed it, as, as you have maybe taken it all in, soaked it up and process it, that as you have viewed all of these circumstances and all that we've gone through and the changes that we've had to make and the sorrows that we may have experienced, 
that you have not simply been longing for the right politician to come along and to fix things. Because, listen carefully, there is no scripture that says that the world is going to be a happy, peaceful place before Jesus comes. And if you think that the world is going to be a happy, tranquil, peaceful, blissful place before the Lord returns, you don't know your Bible. And that's, that, that's a deception of the devil. So we're not in a position to be seeing things to become miraculously better, although we would like to hope so. But I will tell you this, there will be no peace on this earth until Jesus comes again. I pray that instead of longing for quick fixes on this earth, that all of these things that we've all endured has made you long for heaven. All of us who are Christians, all of us who are born again, washed in the blood, need to fully understand that this world is not our home. Can somebody say amen? And thank God for that. It should not be the place where we put all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our energy, all of our beliefs, because this world is only a temporary place. We've got to get that fixed in our hearts and our minds. Now listen carefully. One of the biggest problems with the word temporary is that for right now, this world is all we know. Think with me just for a moment. Our finite minds cannot process eternity. I don't think that we can fully comprehend that eternity will last forever. How, how in the world can we process everlasting life as far as the duration of time goes? Because it's endless. We can't do that. How can we process from a finite mind what eternity will be like? By the way, eternity will work both ways. We will either be eternally in the presence of God or we will either be eternally separated from God. That's not up to God. That's up to you. But as far as heaven goes, we sometimes, I think, have trouble thinking about our future home when all we know is what is right here before us. One of the things that I would like to accomplish in this series is that I pray that it helps us to align our life with eternity in view. I don't know how much time you devote to that, but I want you to get your heart set on heaven. I want you to think about that. Don't live like this is all there is because I can assure you the best is yet to come. We need to fully grasp the truth that our life here on this earth, like James says, is only like a vapor. Everything around our life as we know it, including our mortal life as well, listen carefully, we're taught in the scriptures to redeem the time. It's like a vapor on this earth. 
I want you to look again at Acts chapter 1, and I want to begin with verse 9 and read through what we just read, verse 11. Look at this very carefully. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, I've heard many people want to debate where heaven is. Well, this is, I don't have time to go into all of its definitions today, but believe me, it's up. Don't get confused. Look at this. A cloud received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, up. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever dream about heaven? Do you ever imagine what it's like? Maybe today some of you think that it's a place, only a place without pain, without heartache, and without sorrow. And believe me, it is. John the Revelator wrote these words in A.D. 96 on an island called Patmos in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 4 and 5. The word says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So if you ever thought that heaven was a place where there's no more death, no more sorrow, no crying, absolutely. Maybe some people think that heaven is only a place where our departed loved ones reside. I want to assure you that if your departed loved one trusted Christ as her Savior, listen, they're not in limbo. If they trusted Christ as their Savior, they are in the presence of God. Paul said it like this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't have to worry about where my departed loved ones in Jesus are. Maybe somebody thinks today that heaven is... A golden road may be just a little bit different than the land of Oz. Well, I want to assure you that it does have a golden street. In fact, Revelation 21, verse 21 says this, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. So you know what that means? That the golden street in heaven is so pure, the gold is so pure that it's crystal clear. Maybe somebody thinks that heaven is the place where the lamb will lay down by the lion. Absolutely. In fact, Isaiah said it this way in chapter 11, verse number 6, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. 
Maybe somebody thinks that heaven is going to be a place where there's a never-ending church service. That's big trouble for some people because there's no Walmart in heaven. But it's true. Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And don't feel for one moment that we're only going to be saying that when we cross the threshold between life and death, when we stand into the presence of Jesus. I'm telling you, the old song says 10,000 years and we've just begun. We will be singing this kind of thing, repeating this kind of thing, worshiping the Lord throughout the endless ages. So let me ask you, what do you think of when you think of heaven? So many wonderful thoughts. The truth of the matter is this, we cannot again with our finite mind comprehended the scripture says in first corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 but as it is written i have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for them that love him but i want you to understand something today that heaven is way more much more than all of these wonderful things that we've just talked about with Scripture. In fact, the Apostle Luke does way more to make us think that heaven is more than just an idea. He goes to great extremes to help us to think that heaven is more than just a myth, that it's not just folklore. He makes sure that we know that heaven is a real place, Luke is telling us that Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives 40 days after he was gloriously resurrected from the dead. And he was giving instructions to his disciples, not just the 12, but there were many standing on the hillside that day. And Jesus, right before he ascended up, he gave three specific instructions. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He said, then I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then he said, hey, wait a minute. I'm not sending you out alone. He said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can somebody say amen? And then according to the scriptures before you, he began to ascend up and then all of a sudden, Two angels begin to speak. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not in the scriptures, but most of the time that we see angels speaking in the scripture, they're saying, fear not. Fear not. But that's not the case here. They didn't go that route at all. In this particular situation, they go directly to the glorious consolation and John, by the way, he gives us the same assurance that Luke gives. In John chapter 14, verse number 1 through 6, if you don't know these scriptures by heart, learn them. Let me encourage you before Jesus comes, learn these scriptures. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Is somebody listening today? Amen. So according to Luke, John, and Jesus, heaven is not like a mysterious black hole in the sky. It's a real, literal place. Heaven is just as real as Richmond, Virginia. Heaven is real, and it's better than anything we can ever understand or imagine. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Scripture refers to heaven over 550 times. Heaven is not only a real place, it's not only a resting place, but it's the dwelling place of God. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 30, and they will get these Scriptures up as fast as they can, The scripture says, and hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel when they shall pray toward this place and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and when thou hearest, forgive. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, Jesus said, after this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, the word says, So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But look at something interesting in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. Go back to that. Get it up quick for them. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. So here's the thing. We cannot forget that God is omnipresent. The scripture says that his dwelling place is heaven. But the truth of the matter is this. He's everywhere. Yet he dwells in heaven. So the thing is this. God dwells in heaven, but he cannot be contained in heaven. It's like this, you and I dwell in our house, but our house doesn't contain us. Think about this for a moment. Have you ever thought what it was going to be like when you stand in the literal presence of God? Surrounded by your glory, 
Think about that. When the trump of God sounds and we are ushered into the presence of his holiness. If you remember this, Moses asked if he could see God. And in Exodus chapter 33, verse number 18, he cried, Lord, show me thy glory. And God said this to Moses in verse number 20, thou canst not see my face for there shall no man see me and live. God told Moses, you, you couldn't stand it. You could not stand to see me. You could not experience seeing me and live. In fact, God said that he would only allow Moses to see a remnant of his glory. In fact, in verse 21 and 23, the word says this, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. I want you to understand something, that when we get to heaven, when we stand in his presence, we're not going to be confined to only see the hinder part of God but we're going to be able to stand in his presence and we're going to be able to see the full holiness of God, the full majesty of God, the full righteousness of God, the full glory of God, the full mercy of God, the full joy of God, the full peace and the creativity of God the Father. We're going to see it all face to face. In this life, we can only display the attributes to a limited degree. For example, we can love to some degree, but God is love. We can have peace in this life, but when we stand in his presence, we have to understand that God is peace. In the moment that we stand before his holiness, we're going to experience all that he is, which is far greater than anything we could ever experience in this life. Number two, quickly, the father and the son both dwell in heaven. In Hebrews chapter nine, verse 24, for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. And so it's recorded by Luke concerning the first martyr, Stephen. Let me remind you of something quickly here. In Acts chapter 7, verse number 55, the Bible says, But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God 
And Jesus, look at this is important. If you are accustomed to write in your Bible, underline these words right here at the end of the passage. It may bless you in just a moment. Underline these words. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. First of all, Stephen knew who Jesus was. More than likely, he had been with him on a number of occasions. And without question, it was indeed a comforting experience for Stephen to look up and to see Jesus. And by the way, this is what I want you to understand by underlining this in your scripture here. This is the only place in the entire Bible where it is said that Jesus is standing by the throne. The only place. Everywhere else in the scriptures pertaining to Jesus and the throne, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But this is the only time the scripture says he's standing beside the throne. I like that song. Stephen looked up and he said, that's him. That's him. I, I'm so thankful for that old song that says, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. Let me ask you this question. Do you long to see him? Number three, quickly. This is where I asked you to fill it in this morning. The church will be in heaven. In fact, I want to go to the book of Revelation. And it will be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. In Revelation chapter 19, I want you to see this, verse 7 through 10. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. This is only for the church. And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is taking place in the latter three and a half years of the tribulation. First, the judgment seat of Christ, the first three and a half years. This event, the latter three and a half years. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Number four, let me give you this. Our names will be in heaven. I like that old song, when the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. If you are saved, when the road is called, you will be present and accounted for. In the gospel of Luke, the Bible says this, notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And the fact that your name is written in heaven assures you that you have been forgiven and that your debt has been paid in full. Thank God. Somebody Can somebody say amen? amen. Number five, quickly, our inheritance is in heaven. I'm talking about today's sure things that are in heaven. The inheritance that we have is imperishable. It will never be subjected to corruption, unspoiled or unfading. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, look at this now, 
I'm not going to be kept in heaven. It's not going to be according to my good works, what I've done in this life. It's not going to be about what I've done here and what I've done there. I'm going to be kept by the power of God throughout the endless ages. Look at this. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I feel like I'm preaching to myself today. God help us. Can somebody say amen? Look at this, number five, our citizenship is in heaven. Hebrews 13, verse 13 through, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And that's where our citizenship is one day. We're going to take possession of every single thing that God has promised to us. Things may not look that bright now, but I assure you, we're just pilgrims passing through. Lastly, this morning, I want you to understand something, and I want our musicians to come forward, that the blood of Jesus, probably the most important thing that we have access to in heaven, we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior on this earth, he has, by the crimson flow, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's covered us miraculously by his blood, saving us, giving us hope, eternal life, salvation. And so here's the thing that I want you to understand. The sure thing in heaven today is the blood of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal life, redemption for us. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. And here's the blessed thing about the blood of Jesus in heaven for us. I'm so thankful today to tell you that we cannot put a time limit on eternity. It will never run out. It will never expire. It will never run its course. Eternity with the Lord Jesus is everlasting to everlasting. And I'm telling you this, when we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he wrote our names down in the Lamb's book of life. He sealed us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are kept by the power of God. When we enter into his glorious presence, I'm telling you that we never have to worry about the blood with an expiration date on it. None of us will ever have to leave. God has wrote our name down and we are sealed into the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Oh, mercy. These are the sure things in heaven. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.